everybody, this is Becca Apley, and I have just spent my morning editing our conversation with Gabe's Torres. And for the first time in over 50 episodes, I finished editing a podcast, and I feel so relaxed and at peace and ready to start my day. I just want to encourage you all as you begin to listen to this conversation with Gabe's, just to sit in a place where you can really take in and hear the wisdom in the heart that not only the words that Gabe says, but their presence. Hello, and welcome to Permission to Be. Let's hit him with the remix. Oh, well, y'all got to change yes. that. Yes. <laughs> what do we do? Uh, we, we leave our F-bombs in and... Let's tell some stories. As long as white people are bound, the people in power are bound, they're going to keep us bound to the same thing that they're bound to. Out of, uh, the, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speak, that I think out of the overflow of the spirit the body does. Some narratives. Why, why is that the best that God could offer you? Mike made it very clear that he did not want to get any of these questions beforehand. So he is getting this question live, raw, for the very first time. This is, um, yeah. and I feel like art is the expression of the heart where uh, words fail. Oh my goodness, I have tears. Oh, y'all are killing it. Unfiltered. I feel like that's gotta sound strange. Permission to be. Uh, actually, my, my my literary agent, when we were talking about what book might I write, he was like, I mean, A Black Man with Hope is an interesting book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. The moment that it hit record, he snorted out of beautiful laughter. I'm a snort laughter. I am a snort laughter. Beautiful. Means you mean it. Right. Right. (laughs) Your whole face is involved. (laughs) Like the cheeks hurt, the eyebrows go up. It's like, it's a whole body experience. Let me tell you. I've always, so there was this man growing up that i knew uh his name was steve ellenbaugh and he was like what they call a circuit overseer in the jehovah's witnesses they're like over multiple congregations or like the head elder sort of over this like like i don't know 12 congregations or whatever this man was from arkansas and he was the funniest man that i've ever met in my entire life and like he had this like whole body like, like he laughed, you laughed. And I just remember thinking, it was like, I want to be the person oh. like w- one day that like when I laugh, I want my laugh to make Oh, boo, I think you laugh. already do oh. that. Yeah. The laughs. <laughs> no, but I seriously, mean, like even yeah, at Watershed. So. You hear, like, when you laugh, like you mm-hmm. you can you can literally it's like everybody takes a collective deep breath like oh yeah oh, oh. that's beautiful oh yeah. deep breath receive it oh, and you've done that for receive longer it. than you know <sighs> okay i don't think anybody's ever said like people take a deep breath like around you i don't know there's something spiritual about that i feel like so that hits me differently than like oh tommy we love your laugh we like you're such Mm. a cool person you're so like i guess because especially in the last Mm. two three years the work i've been doing around breath yeah like Mm. and how Mm. breath has trailed so much through my spiritual evolution mm-hmm. like to hear mm-hmm. that it's like it's like breath is life and so yeah. to know that like when i hear that like in my brain what happens is 
oh, Tommy, when people take a breath or they're taking in life around you. And so mm-hmm. I was like, oh, so mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to cry, but I might cry, whatever. <laughs> you bring but, us back into our bodies. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Permission to Be, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we have gabes with us tonight hi y'all we're like giggly I mean, is mercury in retrograde or something it, it is actually right it is i yeah. think so yeah sure. we're supposed to be <laughs> off like... but we're we're doing okay yeah i mean i'm i'm generally off <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm doing okay because I have a microphone in front of my mm. face, but like mm. I'm mentally exhausted. Oh, probably. Babe. I mean, it's my own fault. <laughs> and I recognize that. But also, I feel like we should who is Gabe's? Gabe's. Who Gabe's Taurus. Who is Gabe's Taurus? <laughs> Why are we having trouble with introductions? Introductions are so tough for me. I don't, I don't, I've, I think I have a theory about that. I don't necessarily like to introduce myself as much as I like people to experience me. Mm. And I like, I like that. Right. It's like, I feel like introductions because there's like, who are you what do you do people begin to form all these like opinions and perspectives about you you're right versus if you just go in and like you don't you one you're already breaking those norms so you're already challenging what people expect of you yeah and they're like well that's kind of rude but also this person's really funny or they're like really nice or they're like I like this person or like why so I'm just very curious why do we have to do what is the mm. point of introductions right versus like just like sometimes it's nice to have an unadulterated like experience of a person yeah and that can be disarming which kind of like makes me think about how that's not our default when we do introductions. We don't experience the other because it, mm-hmm. it, 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 in some ways we have to like put our guards down when we see somebody and allow somebody else to see us and being in such a disembodied mm-hmm. society, a very disembodied culture that's afraid to be in vulnerability. That can be, that can be daunting, that it's easier to intellectualize the introduction, that it's easier to like make the the heavy statements instead of like having to experience Tommy and Becca as y'all are um, in your fullness and to have y'all see and understand me in, in my fullness. So that's just where my mind goes, that it's more, mm-hmm. it, it's more disarming. So it's not, it, it doesn't surprise me that it's not the default. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Mm. Well, (laughs) (laughs) a lot of things, a lot of things, just being in this like white Western cis heteropatriarchal society Mm -hmm. that um, immediately labels vulnerability as, you know, we can make a list like weakness as um, inadequate, as incompetent, et cetera, et cetera. Um, to be in the body was was and is like regarded as something that's not productive, something that doesn't get you places. Um, so, yeah, we can we can go in many places, <laughs> many directions, multiple directions around that. But. Hmm. I was gonna say those t- with capitalism. I mean, it just doesn't yeah. work to be embodied. Mm-hmm. Why is that, Becca? What I what comes to mind is what Gabe's mentioned a minute ago. It's the being productive, getting things done, in living in a capitalistic society where we're constantly 
striving for forward motion, for more, for production, for higher value, not necessarily in quantity, but in getting more money for whatever the product is. If you're embodied, you're going to acknowledge some truths. And it feels like capitalism doesn't have time for that, doesn't have time for honesty, doesn't have time for reflection. Those things would only slow down the systems. Mm. Yeah. And yet I still feel like capitalism finds a way to profit off of bodies. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, or so, so like what I've, I think this is interesting for some reason, my brain goes to the wellness Mm -hmm. industry. Yep. Mine too. It went there too. Um, would you say that the the wellness industry and it's a very broad generalization right there's you know you you could include a lot of things in the wellness industry like you could include what i do uh gabe's your psychotherapist you could include that uh mm-hmm. but also sort of this entry into yoga and mindfulness and (laughs) yeah like aside from all the the problematic nature of those things once they stretch into appropriation is it possible under those systems to practice embodiment or are you just going through the motions that's a really good question that that i maybe at some point in my life i also asked myself because it seemed like the people who do practice it in in context that are culturally appropriating other cultures it seems like they're so convinced and it seems like they're sincere and authentic about how much they are. They do feel like they are in their bodies. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of me that's like, um, my Enneagram cell is also for, like I question the authenticity in that moment and the fullness if they're actually yep. like, are they actually in their bodies? Especially if like see particularly white cis women who practice um, yoga and who mm-hmm. are very mm-hmm. elaborate and very, commu- you know, they, they, sh- they share about it in their social media about their experiences and how much that industry they're benefiting from. And there's a part of me that's like, I think about how these practices, these embodiment movement practices, mindfulness, these are ancient yeah. practices And it makes me want to, like, make – makes me want to, like, take a trip into, like, how was it like for these indigenous teachers Hmm. for these pre-colonial times and how it is – these embodiment uh, exercises were Mm -hmm. different in their experience um, versus how – you know, majority white cis women are are experiencing right now. And – and I know that I will never get to that awareness. Um, I, I will not know that fully, but I know that there is something that's not just missing um, in how um, how much yeah. yoga right yeah. now is like whitewashed. Um, it's not just something that's missing, but it's like um, I have to ask, like, what <sighs> this is mm. happening, but at whose expense? At what cost? Mm-hmm. You know, like if you are doing this, and this is when I like address the fact that health and wellness and mm-hmm. the, the journey of healing is also political, because we have mm-hmm. to ask the question that if we take the steps to heal our bodies, our psyches, is it actually for healing? Is it actually mm-hmm. for freedom? Or is it going to cost somebody mm-hmm. else's healing? Is it going to cost somebody else's freedom? And so that's when I like address that it is not authentic if it is at the expense of somebody else's body or at the ex- or if it's going to cost somebody else to suffer more or labor more and mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. perpetuate an already existing inequitable structure that's not just in capitalist society, but also in the wellness industry, also in mental health, also in all fields, because um, they're all cousins. Yeah. yeah, that intent versus impact mm-hmm. yeah. of what it's actually what's actually occurring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tommy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm trying to read you. So it, it, as a way of introductions, I'm, I am a psychotherapist, so I've been trying to read both of you this whole time. <laughs> okay. Oh, so in that, in that moment, I was like debating, like, how do we proceed? Like, we'll probably edit this part out. And yeah. then, like, now I'm probably, we're probably not going to edit this part out. <laughs> I, you know, I, I am a huge advocate of play. You know, sometimes, yeah. like, when, when podcast interviews are, like, more... I'm more drawn to podcast interviews, but I can't speak on behalf of everybody else, but I'm just, I just love it when people just talk. Yeah. You know? Um, Well, I I think that's something that like Becca and I, like we even debate about in terms of the product uh, of the podcast that we like want to send out mm -hmm. to the audience. Right. And so, yeah. We, it's a podcast called Permission to Be. Oh, and... yeah. <laughs> that's what I assumed. I'm like, I take it from the title. So right. here I am. We technically do very little editing aside from okay. aside from um, putting in music and maybe like separating like pauses and things. Sure. And then there's one other thing that's <laughs> like come to my attention (laughs) 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 that 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 Tommy didn't realize I was doing the podcast that's where this is going (laughs) (laughs) what's happening so Becca when she edits the podcast she will kind of cut out some of the uhs and the the, uh, and whatnot and to like tidy tidy up the speech a little bit Mm -hmm. sure and so i was like let's let's talk about it with why you do that (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh Oh are, no. Are we, really, no. are we really going to like no. put her to work? I'm totally being smart. <laughs> 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 but it was it's been a, it's been a very interesting, you know, <laughs> the talking about authenticity and in 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 showing up in play. I think I think filler words are they're they're part of human language and is for me it goes into this philosophical place of like we call ourselves permission to be how much should we be embodying or living into that ourselves and how much should we show mm-hmm. to the audience right mm-hmm. and so what's that balance of um cutting those things out and at, like at what sacrifice and so and there's i think there's like i think becca has great points and i hope you will cut in and speak <laughs> oh y'all i'm not upset at all i'm just listening I'm oh, oh, no, i was just i was just so i think you know and so it's but i'm enjoying playing even in that conversation because mm-hmm. is extracting all these like nuances about what what people think and people's perceptions and and yeah. um kind of how people navigate safety in the world too, even. Um, and yeah, it's just, so it's, it's interesting, I guess, what go, happens behind the scenes at times. And so it's a really beautiful invitation yeah. to just play. And I think it's a really good reminder for us about what, who we, who we strive to be mm-hmm. um, in mm-hmm. the journey. Um, yeah. Even as we're learning, even as we're making mistakes in in the work yeah. of like 
anti-racism or <laughs> in, in our analysis of society of where we see ourselves and stuff. Right. Anyway, right. it was really long-winded. Somebody else say something. No, it's, I, well, speaking of being anti-capitalist, yeah. right? And one of the core components of being capitalist is this myth of perfectionism, which is an impossible <laughs> level or place mm-hmm. to be in. And there's something about like you coming um like coming face to face with somebody as yourself, not self-editing, that invites mm. the other person to also show up as they are. Cause then um, I'm gonna go like neurological here, but there's something about like you bearing witness to somebody else's um, mm-hmm. you know, full honesty, honest self, unmasked self that yeah. makes it feel like it's okay. You know, that's the ne- mirror neurons that goes on that not very many people um, feel safe, um, even like, um, even courageous or willing enough to, to be unmasked. And so everybody just puts it on all the time. And so I, I'm all about the play. I'm all about the unedited version of potentially this podcast that y'all are listening to. I'm also really proud of myself right now that I compelled y'all to talk about <laughs> the the podcast, the, the podcast while I am here, which I'm like, I'm, nervous. I'm like, wow, I am not worth here. I am letting y'all self-reflect. Self, you know, like, us, us, your actual philosophy. So, this is my legacy. It is February 4th, right? 2021. I mean, you're just yeah. damn good at what you do. Like, you just pulled it Tell right on out. Right? Like, wait, the <laughs> so, all right, let's talk about that. Uh, let's let's flip roles here. Why did you go into therapy? Like, <laughs> so, like it's a long story. You, so, like, so you've you've gotten like, I hope people really grasp sort of the beautiful trajectory of the conversation that mm-hmm. we just had and all of the things that subtly happened mm-hmm. in it. But and it, yeah. it it's a testament to your gift. But so I'm just very curious, like, what's brought you on this journey? Mm, thank you. Thank you. So I was born and raised in the Philippines and in my culture specifically, um, we don't talk about mental health. Um, mental health is taboo. In fact, I grew up in a Protestant Filipino home where, you know, if you pray hard enough if you read your bible long enough that's going to get rid of the depression the anxiety in fact having depression and anxiety is probably an indication that you're not praying or reading the bible enough kind of thing so um for the longest time i i kind of like rejected that part of me that wanted to be curious around you know what goes on with us emotionally um psychobiologically etc um I went to um, seminary. I went to um, theological school in Chicago and I did it again for grad school. And I just so happened to go to um, a grad school where they leaned into the intersection of theology and psychology, which I've never, at that time, I've never heard of before. Because before, when you talk about theology and spirituality or, you know, anything that's Christian, anything to do with psychology is like opposite, quote unquote, opposite. And so that, to me, my subconscious was drawn to that and wanted to like interrogate that, um, the intersection of fields. Uh, Initially, I wanted to do um, some work around (laughs) training missionaries to do better. (laughs) Because when I, you know, like as somebody who was raised in a, a developing country that was often visited by many Westerners who were like, talking about this white Jesus, there's a part of me that's like, yo, you, y'all need to contextualize your, y'all just need to be, y'all just need to do better. And so wow. that, that's why I wanted to do um, um, theology because missionaries weren't doing good. So with my experience, there's this, this arrogance around um, white Christians, white Christian missionaries who say that, you know, our gospel is the gospel. 
our news is the good news and anything to do anything that is different from um, from this is not what we call what they call authorial intent wasn't what the Bible wants to say. If there's anything in our culture that had to do with like with dancing, with how we like engage with one another and interact with one another that happens to be different from the gospel that which they were teaching, then it has to go away. And to me, that's like, I don't think that that's the church. Oh boy. Right. And excuse me, like, why would you like reject dancing first and foremost? (laughs) I'm like offended by that. So there's this like, um, there's this part of me that's like, y'all don't contextualize and know um, yourselves. And so I wanted to, um, to be a part of some movement or some study that examines the white psyche that is so convinced that they're right all the time. When really, I didn't think of the Christian faith as something that it's not about being right. It's about, to me, it's about connection. It's about like, it's not about the position, whether or not you got this doctrine, this dogma accurate. It's, it's me being in relation to you because you in, in your fullness, I see God and God is in you. So I feel like there was such a huge miss there. And so I could not help but respond to that by doing more theology work. And so um, I did work around post-colonial studies. I studied a lot about um, how white supremacy is a global issue Mm -hmm. and how much that is shown in um, the Filipino people's like internalized oppression where we regard whiteness as like superior and us as inferior and how that, um, you know, resulted in many different forms, whether that may be a self-rejection of our culture and also into colorism and anti-blackness, et cetera, et cetera. And then I stumbled upon more readings around how much white supremacy and racism affects us psychobiologically. And then I learned about the intergenerational transmission of trauma end of resilience, end of medicine. So in my work, I've, I have to be intentional about like mentioning or, or stating that we have inherited mm. specific, when I say we, I mean like uh, black, brown, indigenous, and people of color, we have not only inherited pain and maybe even like shame and um, trauma, but we've also inherited strength and beauty and resilience and creativity. So that's when I wanted to do mental health is hmm. to be a part of this, this I don't even want to call it a field of study, but this, um, this movement, um, this community where we can have a conversation about what it means to, um, to be in our body, to see what are, or to witness what are the ancestral memories that are stored in our bodies. Um, how can we validate one another with pain that we don't think is ours, with the tears that we think is both ours and sometimes not even ours, with the dreams that we have. And when I say dreams, I mean like nightly dreams and Mm -hmm. also our waking dreams, our vision and our desire um, that is our own and also being passed on. Mm -hmm. Oh, Lord have mercy. Wow. So is the theological piece still a part of where you're at right now? (laughs) Yesterday I tweeted that, well, back up. Yesterday I finally said to myself, I am not a Christian. And when I say Christian, I mean that in in this particular context, you know, in evangelicalism, in Western evangelicalism, I don't, I don't identify as a Christian anymore. And when I say that, I also don't mean that I don't believe in the brown Jesus and I don't respect the Christians. Well, that's also really debatable, but you know, you know what I mean? Like I, I am not going to like impose 
I'm not going to like convince them that their faith tradition is wildly profoundly problematic, um, you know, for a lot of them. Um, but I just don't identify with this, this institution, this community that has caused so much trauma that caused so much harm. And when I said that yesterday to myself out loud, I just felt this, this relief, this waterfall of happiness. And I felt like, um, somehow I felt like my ancestors rejoiced with me because it really did feel misaligned since I could even, um, complete, uh, you know, a sentence verbally. Like I know that there was something, um, not necessarily more, but something that's different. And to me right now, if we're talking about the theological piece or the spiritual piece, I am leaning more towards like ancestral connection, um, more around how we are connected to the stars, to the cosmos, to Mother Earth, which is so different from how Christian hegemony has taught about this hierarchy of, you know, of dominance, that we are the highest species that ought to rule and dominate and just take whatever we want from Mother Earth. If anything, I would call it more ancient, really. Mm -hmm. And it's it's inevitable to to keep talking about church and spirituality for me. That's that's an area that I will never. It's it's a core component of who I am. Yeah. And whether I would talk about it as loving critique or as um, as a way to be with you because this is something that you are passionate about, then I can be present with that, and I have a lot to say around that and a lot of stories <laughs> um, around that. Whether they are harmful and also life-giving because I'm not one who would say, who would just emphasize the shadow part of Christianity because mm-hmm. just like all other like faith expressions and, and forms of spirituality, there's just as much shadow as there is beauty and goodness, which is nuance that a lot of people are really afraid of because people want a God who is sovereign and in control and, you know, like just good People want the binary or the absolute because it's kind of like their emotional anchor, which, you know, as a a trauma specialist, like that makes sense. Like if you're traumatized, ambiguity is terrifying. The lack of control Mm -hmm. is terrifying. And so I want to come from a place of understanding and also hold that person accountable for their actions and their uh, decisions Mm -hmm. and words. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, so it's interesting being on the other side of that, like. I would, it's hard for me to see something good from it. And so that's a really good reminder for me. I tend to uh, linger in the shadow of it, the shadows of what it was. And so that's a really good, because there are good things, you know, like our growing, we don't grow without walking through experiences and moving forward. Um, But it's easy just to focus on the shadow. Absolutely. My invitation to you like, or to anybody who um, has a very, like, it makes sense why there, there's a tendency to look at just shadow. My invitation to people is to look at the capital C church, like the global church, mm-hmm. to look at how, you know, Christianity looks like in different parts of the world outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. Because, or really so-called yeah. um, North America, because a lot of them, I believe, are embodying you know, the brown Jesus, the the brown refugee mm-hmm. Jesus through their generosity, through their togetherness. And it's not to say that they're perfect. I mean, I'm sure that there are oh, yeah. many things that need to be addressed and changed. But to look at the capital C church is oh. my invitation to people all the time. What I loved about when you were talking earlier is how you've talked about how you've always known that it was it wasn't about just, you know, following this sovereign God. It was about right here between the culture, the between you and other people. And I just felt this sense of like, since your spark came alive in your body, you knew that it, it was just, there was, you knew it was about connection. And that is just such a beautiful image and just a wonderful at a young age to know that. I, that's just a gift. Like I just. Mm. Children are we're closer to the divine, are closer to the divine than, than we are as adults. 
And so I'd like to think that children can be wiser than we are. <laughs> and yeah, wow. I have a lot to learn from my younger self. She, she's more mm-hmm. playful. She's more wild. She's more, certain times she's more creative. I argue with her around that. Um, but you know, the, the stakes are not that high for them. And if they are in, in, which I hope for all children, if they're in situations where they feel absolutely safe and protected, then they could just play and, and be and receive. I think that's a huge thing, like to receive. So I have a lot to learn from my younger self when it comes to this work. There's, I, I, I feel like I say this every episode, but there's so many places we go. <laughs> yes, you do, but that's good. Are you open to maybe talk about like the inner child mm-hmm. broadly and even maybe more specifically how it's applying <laughs> to you right now? Yeah. So these days I've been leaning, that's a beautiful question. Um, these days I've been talking more with my inner orphan who mm. has experienced abandonment and i say orphan as an archetype right who if i don't know what image y'all are thinking about or what character even like you could probably think about oliver twist or something um like a a fictional character an actual person but it's not uncommon to think about how much the orphan has to like Mm -hmm. survive and has to like protect themselves has to like really hustle and in this inner child work in this point of my life, I feel like the orphan, even though before I kind of like ignored her in the periphery a lot, because it's hard. It's hard to do shadow work in that way. Because in some ways she's experienced rejection and I've also rejected her. So this is like my season of kind of like... Oh, wait, stop. Just yeah. talk about that for just a minute. I don't want to totally know it, but... Or go come back to that. The re- you've rejected her and she's experienced yeah, rejection. Yeah, I think that in my rejection of her, I have to face and contend the parts of myself that I don't like about myself. The the parts of me that are that I regard as a stranger. And I think in anti-racism work and in decolonizing work, or the aim to do anti-racism work and decolonization work, I believe uh, part of my work around that is to really befriend that orphan, befriend that stranger, the parts of me that I do not like. Because if I'm not hospitable to them, how can I be hospitable to, to the parts, to other people's inhospitable or unlovable parts and I say that too as a therapist too like what if there are certain parts of my work with my client that I don't like am I just going to like abuse my power <laughs> by you know what I mean like I have like in order for me to bear witness and welcome a story and all of its griminess and all of its um chaos and filth like I have to be able to like bear my own And similarly, like, I also want to bear my own beauty, which sometimes in certain cases, too, are really difficult, like, to see the lovable parts of the orphan. It's also really difficult. For some of us, it's harder to receive goodness than it does punishment um, or struggle, because struggle is so familiar. On that point of struggle, right, is that sort of evolutionary in some sense in that we're, our our bodies were trained to pick up danger in sort of respond more to these negative emotions and so it takes a bit of work to step into the positive frequencies and ranges of our emotional network absolutely i agree with you a hundred percent so i work primarily with black brown indigenous and people of color patients or clients and those who are also at the intersection of LGBTQIA+. So fight, flight, freeze, fawn, it's like default for them. Like that's something that they, the hypervigilance is a part of their everyday life. And so when it comes to sessions where they, you know, they met someone new and it was a one, it's a wonderful person or they, ex- they received an, 
a reward or they had a really good day. Like it's, it's hard for them to enjoy it. Mm. It takes a very long time for them to be present with it because they might think that it's going to, um, it's going to be taken away from them, that they don't have the right to f- experience pleasure, just a lot of defenses and, you know, needing to, to protect themselves, which makes sense because this world, this country, this system is designed mm-hmm. to have them struggle more. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not an it's not an equitable mm-hmm. system. It's designed specifically for a particular body, which is white cis hetero, yeah. a you know non disabled mm-hmm. body. So it's hard to be present. Mm-hmm. I experienced a lot of emotion <laughs> as you were mm-hmm. naming that all. Do you want to talk about it? Sure. I think you know. I'm thinking about. We're recording this as Black History Month, mm. and for me, one of the decisions that I've I've made and how I'm going to honor it this year is just to be present to myself as much as I can, and in that, oftentimes, a lot of times, people will compliment me and then follow it up with, just receive that, because either I like... I'm demonstrably like blushing or, or something or whatever. And I've always done that. Like even from like childhood of like, like, Oh no, no, no. And it was ingrained from a, 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 a theological perspective of you have to be, yeah. you have to be humble. You have to, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, not be prideful. Right. And so, the default to getting rewards is to like, you know, oh, by the grace of God, you know, or oh, it's no credit to some ethereal being when you actually did the work when it's actually you. Oh boy, and for you to paint that or frame it as a trauma response Mm -hmm. or or reaction. It felt like mm-hmm. movement and something unlocking within to be like, uh, oh, or like an understanding of myself of like, that's why I do that. And these are the things. Not It's not just been ingrained from that theological yeah. place, which that theological place is also has roots in cis, hetero, white supremacist culture mm-hmm. as well, but also that ancestral um knowledge that that i get to heal and play with yeah Mm -hmm. tommy thank you for sharing that and it takes like naming the thing and among other things that would you know capture like the work um and it takes naming it first thank you Mm -hmm. for sharing that yeah thank you and in in a lot of movement spaces um i think the especially ones that are rooted and centered in Mm anti-racism that awareness piece is one of the foundational things that I think a lot of uh, movement spaces in this work are, are teaching and um, implementing in how they think about their actions and, and the work of getting free and, and being liberated um, as well. So it's really nice to be able to see those connections, mm-hmm. which I find really interesting because you said earlier that you're, you're rooted more so in, and what I discerned from this is like uh, spiritually rooted into t- nature mm-hmm. and the stars and, and the alignment of um, the universe. Mm-hmm. Like, can you talk more about, like, can you just talk more <laughs> about that and, and how it makes some connection points for us? Oh, you water sign baby. I'm a water sign baby. <laughs> Yes. So. <laughs> I am a cancer. <laughs> what are you? Aquarius. Huh? Uh, oh, happy birthday. Thank you. This last two weeks ago. Yeah. Delated happy birthday. The air sign, right? I'm so, I'm in the yeah. baby part of learning all of my astrology. Or not my, well, yeah, my chart and stuff. So We're all learning. Um, with this, I want to acknowledge my 
ancient and recent ancestors. So I am a descendant of the Aita indigenous tribes of the Philippines, who are a nomadic tribe, and ask permission from them that I may speak about this more. So I, I want to acknowledge first that I'm still learning and um, still learning what it's like to be in my body and also to befriend and to get reacquainted, mm. be mothered by the earth. Um, I, whew, I think that I, I, I exhale because yeah. I think about like the state of the earth right now too. And how even in her benevolence and her um, persistence, her resilience, um, like persistently like offering protection and food, um, like she holds us right now. I, I exhale, I sigh because of having to remember um, and not be denial about the state of the earth right now. And also... Um, what future generations are going to yeah. have to like yeah. contend with because of how much um, we have been complicit to her mm -hmm. suffering. Cause the land is also, the land is also oppressed. Um, and we haven't been listening to our indigenous elders who have been warning us for centuries about this. So wanting to acknowledge that the, the grief of that, and that if we lean into this, there has to be an invitation of bravery mm -hmm. um, and having to, to name that about, the state of the world right now, especially when it comes to connecting with Mother Earth. But right now, too, I also want to name that I can pour out my my thoughts, my feelings onto Mother Earth and her not breaking a sweat. <laughs> and I, 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 I borrow those words from, um, I think her name's Mia Songbird, who suggests that um, like if you feel like doing a grief practice, you um, place your, can't remember if it's your right or left ear, but one of your ears um, on the ground and just pour out your sorrow. Mm. This is me um, sharing um, a spiritual practice with y'all when it yeah, comes to grief, right? Yeah. Um, pour out your mm. sorrow, let it all out. Don't stop until it's all out. Mm. And then with your other ear, you know, when it's all done, when you're ready, place or, or put your other ear on the ground and then listen what mother earth has to say to you. And you will know, you know, you have an intuition to be able to hear from her. And there we see like reciprocity happening, reciprocity when it comes to communication mm -hmm. and being in a busy capitalistic world, mm -hmm. it's, it's hard for a lot of us to listen. Like even me, like I've been doing this work. I have the workshops that I do, the offerings that I have. It still takes a minute for me yeah. to like be in a place of, of solitude, of silence and of stillness to actually like hear from spirit, to actually hear from mother earth, from my ancestors, from my guides. Mm -hmm. Um, I also want to name real quick that maybe for some of y'all who are listening, there might be there might be this voice that comes up who that says, "Oh my gosh, that's woo woo," you know, "Oh my gosh, that's like." Uh, maybe for some of you who identify specifically as Christian, like it might be, um, it might be terrifying. It might be there might be a there might be a part of you that wants to like villainize or demonize it or render it as unclean. And there, it might be a great opportunity to interrogate yeah. that voice and and wonder, like, you know, who's to say? <laughs> and, and and what does that say about this internalized hierarchy of spiritual expression and, mm -hmm. and belonging? So I, when it comes to, like, interconnectedness, <sighs> there's a lot to learn, but mm -hmm. I think there's more to unlearn. <laughs> than there is to learn. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's like going to be the way that I would conclude that there's more to unlearn mm -hmm. um, than there is to learn. May I offer that maybe that isn't even, even a paradox because in the mm -hmm. unlearning, we are learning. learning. Offer we are learning a new way. It is sort of the same notion of, of deconstruction by Foucault, I think is this person's name, but in the process of the deconstruction, we are simultaneously reconstructing the world mm -hmm. as a pathway forward as, as what it could be. The sure. deconstruction never meant to simply destroy or 
to yeah. demolish. It was to mm. set a, a ground yeah. to invite newness in. Mm. And so in the unlearning, simultaneously mm. in that process, mm. we were inviting a newness so true. into that space. But what that reminds me of is the cyclical nature of death and life, right? That death doesn't necessarily mean finality, but it makes that um, that room for life to come forth. Hmm. Um, hmm. It it allows for, I think about the the theme of apocalypse too. Like people often think that apocalypse is the end, but really it's necessary destruction. The archetype of um, apocalypsis specifically, it, it it's necessary destruction hmm. for there to be a new world. The, the change that you actually want. That's why people are so terrified by the word mm. abolition, at least in my circles. Like when I bring up the abolition of the PIC and amongst other forms of abolition, people don't think about the creativity, the generativity, the life that can come forth after you bring a an oppressive system or, mm. or, or way of being to death. Yeah, that the death was actually necessary for newness to come forth, um, for a more humanizing ecological or ecosystem for us to be like in our natural selves where nobody is oppressed and oppressing because oppressing is also mm-hmm. unnatural yep. to mm-hmm. humanity. Mm. Wow. So one Thank you so much for that journey that you just took us on and mm-hmm. for the indigenous wisdom that you shared here. And I just wanted to take a moment to really honor that and to express gratitude because that is mm-hmm. truly sacred and special. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for receiving. Yeah. And I want to bring all of that, that deep spiritual foundation back to uh, sort of the world as it is today. And you said that you're anti-cap- an anti-capitalist and um, I am too. And how is all of that informing your movements in this interconnectedness mm. in that work of dismantling sort of capitalism and the anxiety that I feel like comes alongside of dismantling any structure, but especially capitalism. People are like mm. deeply vested um, yeah. in capitalism as as a way of being, as a way of life, and and as a way of safety. Yeah, and what we, in in my experience and my learning, capitalism is just deeply tied to all these systems of oppression that continue to keep us in bondage and to Mm -hmm. keep us distracted from healing because we are labor. We are just another form of of bondage, Mm -hmm. right? And so in that, with a deep spiritual well and deep spiritual journey and in your work and talking to your inner child and this interconnectedness, how has that formed your anti-capitalist practice Mm -hmm. and in your opinion, why isn't that something that we should be afraid of? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lordy. Well, I'll, I'll speak into like how it informs my work and my practice. Yeah. So every morning, <laughs> this is very, int- I never talked about this in a podcast before. So y'all are special. <laughs> Woohoo! Um, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> um, every morning when I wake up, I, I I try my best to kind of like do ritual and reserve like an hour and a half of my mornings, um, you know, with myself mm. and in prayer or manifestation or in gratitude. So in the morning when I rise, I kind of like either touch my face or my head and, and say my name out loud. You know, I'm Gabe's Taurus. I know who I am. I am a descendant of, and then I'll name my grandparents. I'm a descendant of, um, well, I'll name my, my parents first. I'm a descendant of Mirza Bombetia Torres and Gerardo Torres. I'm a descendant of Candelaria Escambrosa Betia. And, you know, I, w- I would name 
the ancestors whom I um, remember as a way to kind of like humanize myself. Because I think that what is anti-capitalist is to humanize or rehumanize oneself. Because the, the way that the message of capitalism and even like colonialism it says that we are commodities mm. or resources yeah. or products to be shaped or reshaped or used by the, oppress- the oppressor. So in that practice that I do every day as I name my name mm. and as I welcome my, my, the spirit of my ancestors in this space, and remember their humanity, I I believe all the more that I'm not a commodity, that I am a human being with a face, with desires, with fears and preferences, with dreams. That's when the manifestation comes in and the prayer comes in, is when I you know, state it out loud. I'm very fortunate that I live by myself so I can like state it out loud. But what I find really important in, um, in this humanizing work and therefore this anti-capitalist work is to, to locate and find the ways that you feel more, where you can just be human. Um, where you, and it's not just like how you access pleasure, but also like welcome your idiosyncrasies and quirks and limitations. Oh my gosh, bless those limitations bless those mistakes, mm. bless yes. the, the parts of you that can only um, reach this far when, you know, when the world expects you to go like 10 miles further, yeah. when that's actually like robotic, you know? And so that's like one of the practices that I do. And I think that there's also something about like, I mentioned earlier, like being face to face with somebody else. Um, I would find community, um, you know, the kin, um, the kindred spirits, spirits whom I feel safe enough to just unmask um, and play yeah. with, who the, the image that comes to mind right now is, so I think about my friends right now, and the image that comes to mind is like our inner children are playing together, <laughs> psychically or energetically, you know? Um, because in some ways, like our inner children are still there too. You know, it's like our unconscious are already like in intimate relation with one another. One story that I would share in my workshop, my ancestral workshop, is that I met a, a woman at a panel um, at this event and we clicked right away. It's one of those like immediate connections yeah. that you have mm-hmm. with people. Like you don't know what it is, but it felt like you knew each other in a past yeah. life or something like that. Yep. So we decided to have sushi one night and then we were having dinner. And then for some reason, like I felt compelled to ask her the question uh, to share each other's like ancestral journey. Like, how do you know your ancestral lineage? What, who were they? What mm-hmm. did they do? And, um, you know, she started to tell her story and I started to tell mine. And then I mentioned that my Lola, my grandma, was a guerrilla warrior during World War II. She was a guerrilla spy um, for the Philippines against um, colonization. And she pauses and looks at me and it was like, and it was like, wait, which base? Turns out our grandmas knew each other. Oh my gosh. And we confirmed wow. and we confirmed it from her grandma because my grandma's no longer living, but she they were, you know, they were buds. Oh so my gosh. <laughs> it kind of like makes sense. Wow. Why she and I connected so deeply and so immediately is because of that connection. And it it was because of that friendship that made me like lean into this work a little bit more. Like who were the the folks who came before us and you know like who am i that is connected to who they are like i am a site my body is like a point of reference to who they were in fact like it's mm-hmm. a, my friendships are a point of reference to their friendships yeah. so it's it's a wild <laughs> universe y'all <laughs> i just think about that Again, going it's, it's Black History Month, and 
Mm-hmm. Often, I think about the starting point being my detachment from mm. my ancestry. And really, at this point, though, there's a lot of history that I do have ancestry here on this land, on this earth, on this ground. And when I say that I'm taking Black History Month for myself, it's in honor of that memory mm. and of that struggle, mm-hmm. but also of that liberation and that joy. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. This has been an incredible and grounding Mm -hmm. and I just feel wrapped Mm -hmm. in warm embrace. Mm -hmm. Gapes, how can people participate in your offerings and Mm -hmm. in your gifts and who you are and what you put out into the world? Mm -hmm. Thanks, Bubba. Um, This might sound very... Before I answer that, I wanted to say, Tommy, that um, that as you smile, I feel like you have an ancestor who smiles the way that you do too. <laughs> For real, like as I feel like a lot, or maybe it could be the case that a lot of pe- a lot of your ancestors are surrounding you right now with that embrace, and who are smiling mm-hmm. upon you. She's gonna make me cry, mm-hmm. y'all. I'm just gonna sob now. <laughs> Mm. Wow, I feel that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Whew. And when you mentioned like the deep exhale that people um, get upon upon hearing your laughter, that is both yours and also that which you inherited. Perhaps that is something that your ancestors, known or unknown, were, n- no, were known for to bring joy and ease. Mm-hmm. It's official that I've shed tears on the podcast, y'all. Officially. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't have any words. Thank you. <laughs> mm. Okay, y'all can find me <laughs> on, <laughs> on gamestours.com. I'm also on Instagram, on uh, Twitter, on Facebook. I'm not on TikToks. So. <laughs> <laughs> I am, however, on Clubhouse. Um, <laughs> but yes, you can find my stuff there. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how to work that thing. Which one, Clubhouse? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, I just check whenever somebody follows me. <laughs> I really don't participate in any talks because it's like, anyway. All right, everybody, that's our show. We'll put all that contact mm. info in the show notes and... Gabes is a friend of the pod. Gabes yeah. is also on the Speaking of Racism board. She's a mm. she's part of the collective of love of that we love. have. So thank she's you. She's a friend of the pod. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Hey everybody, it's Tommy. Just have a couple outro notes for you. Um, first one is first. Just wanted to let you know that Gabe's Heritage Workshop is now full. I honestly don't remember if we actually mentioned it on the podcast because we recorded this back in February. And if I'm being honest, it might be 3 a.m. And I'm finishing this edit right now. So um, that Heritage Workshop was an ancestral workshop for Black, Indigenous, uh, and brown people of color to participate in as a way to uh, cultivate practices for our ancestral heritage and healing. Um, So there is a wait list. You can still um, go to Gabe's website, sign up for that, get on the web, uh, the wait list. Um, And if you are a person deemed white, feel free to offer support via a donation so that you might sponsor others who might be able to go. In addition to that, we wanted to also acknowledge the rise in um, anti-Asian violence here in the United States of America. A few weeks ago, we know there was a mass shooting in Atlanta and that there's generally been a rise of anti-Asian violence, especially towards anti or towards uh, 
Asian uh, and Asian American Pacific Islander elders in this country. And so as a reminder, some of the things that you can do is to participate in mutual aid networks. And as always, continue to educate yourself about the history of discrimination um, of various groups in this country and to speak up whenever you see racism wearing rearing <laughs> if I get my words out rearing is ugly head um, we're so grateful that you are with us on this journey as we grow as we learn as we have these conversations and in addition to that um we also recognize that currently the Derek Chauvin trial is going on. And for those that don't remember, Derek Chauvin was the police officer who murdered George Floyd. And so lots of trauma going on. And um, however you are able to root into co-conspiratorship and allyship, um, we invite you to do that. And we will see you soon with some more fantastic conversations in a couple weeks. Yo, that was our show. Thanks for listening to Permission to Be. Um, thank you to our guests. So if you want more information, head on over to permissiontobepodcast.com to check out the show notes. Get some more information on our guests that we post over there. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, leave a rating. If there's somebody that you want to see on this podcast telling their story, we also want to hear from you. So make sure to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, Permission to Be Podcast, and we'll see you soon. Who would play you in a biopic of your life, Gabe Torres? If it involves a love interest with Michael B. Jordan and Chris Evans, then I and I I would play all the way. (laughs) I am in. Yes, yes, I'll do it. Yes and yes, yes. I'll do it. Praise. <laughs> Tommy just went from tears. <laughs> 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 oh.